Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here we are and welcome to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast, guys. It's Friday. It's Phil Trip Day. It's Friday, which means it's Mandalorian Day, which means there's another episode, which also means Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. I mean, that's all I really need to say. So without further ado, here's the next episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Firstly, one thing that it's this is part of the intro to every single Mandalorian, and I'm sure this will be a part of every intro to all Star Wars shows going forward. But I just want to shine a little light on it because I absolutely love it. The way the logos of all the helmets, when you see the flashes of the different colors, and then it comes up Star Wars, kind of like in a rainbowy type effect. Mm. I just thought that was absolutely badass. Yeah, it's, it's um looking at it right now actually as i have the episode in the background and it is yeah pretty cool it's a nice little detail to pick up on <laughs> yeah i know it's there it's their marvel pages isn't it well, yeah. i think marvel thing evolved into like including parts of the movie but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah right gosh we're already on episode three it's going way too quickly i think everything needs to slow down a bit because <laughs> we're already coming up to nearly halfway through the season and that's not okay <laughs> um yeah. but chapter 11 i mean i think bryce dallas house howard directed this one episode three or well, chapter 11 of mandalorian um and she i mean initially i looked at it 35 minutes i was like oh man it's getting shorter and shorter but what an episode. She just knocks it out of the park. I've, I very much do love her style of directing. I think she is very much... Certain angles and certain ways she shoots is very... Uh, the cinematography kind of s- style that Bryce is kind of evolving into, as I know she hasn't directed a lot, but she 100% should have a career in doing science fiction-like epic films in the future because she's got the eye for it absolutely i mean i uh yeah i was i was uh surprised to see her name at the end but um because i didn't realize that she was going to be directing this episode but yeah i completely agree with you especially you know uh finding you know i mean the episode takes us to a new planet and everything it was an interesting way to shoot it all because there was a mixture of sort of action scenes and you know, a new setting and, you know, inside and outside spaces. So it was all, you know, quite a range of different cinematography that, yeah, was carried out quite effortlessly, really. Um, I mean, you know, she comes from such a, a high pedigree of family filmmaking that it, you kind of don't really expect anything less. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this episode really didn't slow down from the uh, the previous two. Um, and, yeah, as you said, like, it's, it feels like it's going almost too quickly. But, you know, it's such a... Such a great thing to have during lockdown to look forward to to at the end of the week. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, this episode really 
this well it's you know, just carrying on this uh this new arc with the uh frog lady and the search for jedi and the other mandalorians and um unfortunately you know this one it didn't take us to a, a forest moon yet but what did they say right at the end of the episode yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I was going to, I didn't want, you know, spoiler alert, everyone. Well, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> everyone's seen it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if anyone didn't catch the episode last week, uh, my theory is that these first three episodes are kind of mimicking the uh, original trilogy of films in terms of their settings where, you know, the first episode we had it on Tatooine um, and then the second one on a host-like planet. And I was hoping that the third episode would be a forest moon, but Alas, we have more of a water world, kind of, you know, like in episode two, you know, in Attack of the Clones. Um, but, you know, hopefully next week we, we shall get this uh, forest that we've been pining for. Um, we will reference it back to previous movies as much as we can. <laughs> of course we will, yeah. Um, and we have to, so <laughs> that's where it all began. But, yeah, I mean, this episode, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting. Uh, again, for me... And so many kind of highlights of this episode, which um, you can pick up on. I mean, first of all, you know, the continuing creature features, which, you know, I, I keep bringing up um, over the past two episodes that we've been discussing. You know, this one just kind of carries on with all of these creature features from, you know, the aliens that the Mandalorian's interacting with on the planet to um, the creatures that attack Yoda either in the ship or on the ship. Um yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just a great, you know, it's, uh, Mandalorian's just being, you know, proving to be, continued to be a, a great vehicle for showcasing these kind of wild and varied uh, species of, of the Star Wars universe. So, I mean, for me, I, I yeah, I, that's just one of the highlights for me. And especially with these kind of <laughs> octopus-faced uh, creatures that we've seen before in the Star Wars universe. Can't quite remember exactly where, but... Something tells me there is a. I believe there's a Jedi of this species. I think, um, I think you might be right, yeah. That sits on the Jedi Council that you see more of in the animated series, the Clone Wars, uh, than you do in um, live action. That's right. I, th- I think he is in Attack of the Clones, actually. Probably in the arena fight. Mm. Maybe. I, I, yeah. Uh, I have to rewatch that soon. Um, but yeah, interesting to see these species on this planet and um, see how they interact. And, and you know, uh, we see how dastardly they are in, in, in how they treat the Mandalorian and, and Yoda. So I thought that, again, you know, it's kind of diving further into the world that we love and, uh, yeah, just kind of opening a new chapter of it, which is always uh, it's always interesting. And, and, of course, you know, we, we're carrying on with the uh, the frog lady and her her. Yeah, her, I mean, basket, or quickly diminishing basket of eggs, um, which thankfully, you know, in this episode, we do have a, quite a nice resolve to that because I have to say, like, after the last episode, I was thinking about it and how it's quite just, just quite a, a, a somber, sad storyline. And um, yeah, I was wondering how they were going to tackle it in the third one because, you know, as we had discussed in the second episode, it, it became like quite a darkly comic point that baby Yoda was eating these eggs and, you know, she's there trying to preserve her line. And, you know, so it was an interesting kind of character development to take, I suppose, for the creators to do. Um, but yeah, you know, in this episode, you know, it, it's actually 
uh, features less and comes to quite a, a happy resolve. So that that's quite a pleasant thing. Um, and of course, you know, we continue seeing Baby Yoda's, you know, insatiable hunger um, in, in various forms, which I, 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 it's always quite funny. And again, like, you know, like I'm seeing here, you know, when he, when they're in the in the inn at the beginning, and he's well, his food's playing with him <laughs> rather than him with his food. And again, just a, a, these little details that keep coming out, uh, just so uh, intriguing and, and interesting, really. Yeah, yeah, very much. I think we definitely you have to give a shout out to like the puppeteers, the people who are creating these creature effects, and the just appreciation of the practical effects. That's why I want to highlight massive appreciation for the practical effects and the fact we're not getting like CGI monster creatures and CGI characters. We're just getting obviously there's like some characters have elements of their being which is cgi but a majority of it is animatronics and stuff like that and it's just it's just brilliant to see isn't it it's really cool to see yeah and uh, such a massive scope they can go so many different places with it because you've got the whole galaxy of star wars that we get to explore now and all these different creatures and these different um races of you know species from all different worlds so it's just there's so much at their fingertips that they can use but yeah, I do love the elements of baby odor and food. It just seems to be a thing of every episode now. Just like the squid latching onto his face. Um, Man, it's like just stop playing, stop playing with your food. <laughs> well, I think that's the kind of funny, you know, uh, mirror of the last episode in that. You know, we're all kind of dismayed at the fact that Baby Yoda is eating this woman's line, and then in this episode, Baby Yoda pretty much almost gets eaten by everything he interacts with. Um, so, you know, from, as we, you know, just mentioned in, in the end scene where his food tries to eat him, you know, there's one instance and then <laughs> when they're on the boat as well, um, that actually kind of shocked me actually with the, with the, uh, you know, with Yoda being kind of shoved into this like water pit, it, um, felt, you know, felt like shouting child abuse at the screen, but, um, you know, I, I mean, knowing Mando, these guys were going to get their comeuppance anyway. But again, you know, like the creature that you see on the ship as well, that's another interesting little creature, uh, sort of a water version of the Sarlacc bit, you know. Um, not really sure where its purpose serves or whether they've caught it. But again, a nice little interesting kind of detail there, um, which doesn't really explore it anymore, but I think it's kind of intriguing enough, like when you see it again on the boat and w with these other squid-faced beings. So, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, a kind of fun juxtaposition against you know the the last episode where Yoda is the uh, the predator. <laughs> well, that whole sequence from the moment Baby Yoda gets knocked into this pit and then eaten, engulfed by this creature, that whole sequence is just awesome. From when the other Mandos come in and the fight scene and oh, so many different elements. I mean, where to go? Firstly. We finally get to see who Sasha Banks, WWE wrestler Sasha Banks, cousin of Snoop Dogg, um, <laughs> is playing. Because when you first see her briefly in the trailers, she's in that hood, which is so connected with the Jedi. So you, that's where your mind initially goes. But to find out she's one of Bo-Katan's crew uh, and a Mandalorian is awesome. I think she was, at, she was wicked in that episode. She's very badass. But Bo-Katan... Bo-Katan is Sorry. in The Mandalorian. She's in live action. 
She's one of my favourite characters from the animated series, right. and she's played by Katie Sackhoff, who voiced her in the animated series, which is just oh. even more badass. Oh, that's great, yeah, because I haven't seen the Attack of the Clones series, but I remember you mentioned about it, and yeah, and you know, from having done some reading on this episode, like, you know, clearly Bo-Katan is a, a big character in, in the series. Yeah, so, yeah. Bo-Katan's a massive character, yeah. Right, Original right. owner of the Dark Saber. Ah, interesting. Okay, because yeah, I, w- I wasn't sure about her, you know, her quest for the dark saber, and you know, whether what, you know, as a sort of, as I mentioned, you know, having having not seen that series and now seeing her and not being sure of her history, it was uh, again, yeah, quite an intriguing sort of path to take. Um, I mean, you know, we see the dark saber at the end of season one, uh, but it's not really named. It's in Moff Gideon's possession. Um, so yeah, uh, it's interesting to see where you know where this new kind of crew of Mandalorians is is taking this storyline, and again interweaving you know Moff Gideon in back into the storyline as well as, as the sort of the main uh, bad guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, just having like kind of more Mandalorians is always better, uh, I think, on screen. Um, and yeah, I, I love the action sequences in in this episode as well, with like kind of all of them and the fact that they're all just equally badass as each other um you know so there's there's four of them but they kind of act like a you know a squadron of 50 really um yeah it was uh, you know we're just continuing to learn more and more about the mandalorians as well and the fact that they take off their helmets as well i mean that was for me as well like oh god what are you doing you know like one of those kind of moments that it was you know that they're they're doing away with the way you know and well this is this is where we get an insight, isn't it? This is where we get yep. slightly more of an insight into the Mandalorian, the main character himself, from what it very much seems that he is part of a particular type of Mandalorians, part of the Watch. Uh, I can't remember if they said the Watch or the Night Watch, but who very much I feel are more on the religious side is the yeah. way it was kind of spelt out there. And they follow almost like ancient scripture to a certain extent. They follow this way of being and Bo-Katan is very much the modern because she was um she's a mixture of things because she was the leader of the night owls and then she became part of the death watch which were technically a terrorist group and then she you know got back into being I guess on the good side of Mandalore so she's had a roller coaster herself but it very much feels that you know, there's that two different types of Mandalorian, isn't there? And he is a particular type who are very much to absolutely to the rules on yeah. how it was originally taught, should we say? Yeah, and I think you know, it's that's a, I think an interesting aspect for me, kind of looking at a, a Star Wars race like the Mandalorians and how you have these various degrees of how kind of religious they are to their kind of ancient way and you know it's interesting because in star wars you don't really you know when you have kind of like these ancient ways like the jedis or the sith they're very much committed to that and that becomes like their full identity so you don't really see too many jedis you know which are you know perhaps they have force powers but they're you know not part of the jedi uh, order so to see the mandalorians as well kind of breaking away from that very conservative well what we've kind of learned is quite a conservative way of, of being actually that there's, you know, all these different degrees of it. And perhaps, you know, his, you know, 
it's in, it's interesting to follow the Mandalorian and, and seeing how he's almost questioning the way of the Mandalorians because he's now encountering these other ones which have completely done away with it. So as a character development, you can see that he, you know, I mean, we only see his his face once in, in season one. And, you know, I, I think this is kind of opening up the, you know, the area of seeing, you know, Pedro Pascal's face, you know, a bit more often, which, again, you know, interesting character development for the Mandalorian who's so committed to, to the original way. Um, and it's not to say that these other Mandalorians aren't just as Mandalorian as him. I mean, they're all great fighters. They all have the armor. They're, you know, band together and they, they're clearly committed to each other. So uh, it just, you know, adds another layer to kind of uh, a sect that we know about, um, but that we haven't just uh, seen this sort of uh, side of, well, in these kind of, you know, in the live action series, really. I mean, of course, in the animated series, I'd imagine Bo-Katan takes off her helmet there. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah, uh, majority, but all of them do, I think. Uh, from what I can remember, it's been a while since I've uh, seen some of those episodes, but I, I believe they, yeah, they very much do. Um, but yeah, it's just that it's adding another element and it's it's amazing because we can add these little elements every single time now to each episode. There's one like brief moment at the beginning and of course we get to see again at the end but we see a Mon Calamari character obviously Admiral Akbar one of his uh, species on the docks when Mandalorian comes in and I'm like don't you be showing me <laughs> some of the species unless you what unless you bring an Akbar in we need <laughs> a, uh, like Akbar I've, I've said it it's one of the things I would love to have that the Mandalorian gets like recruited by Admiral Akbar to go like on a mission for the well the once rebels to like I don't know to get some form of information because as we clearly see pointed out again that the Empire is very much still a thing there's still a war going on they won to a certain extent but there's still an Empire to uh, a high degree from what it sees because what we get in this episode is a lot of stormtroopers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just on the, uh, the the Akbar calamari front, I have to say, when Mandalorian landed his ship on the on the dock, I, I thought you know the, the calamari chap was going to say it's a crap because I mean you know uh, the ship is so done by this point, uh, but unfortunately he didn't. But, you know, in my head it exists, so there it will live. And now, hopefully, for the listeners, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, you're absolutely right about the Empire. Uh, again, like, this is one of these things that I love about The Mandalorian in that we have this time between Return of the Jedi and the new films where, you know, I mean, the Empire was so big that, of course, they, they can't, have, you know, even though the Emperor falls, that surely they, they're not all just going to fall with him. Um, and with Moff Gideon, you know, continuing the Empire's sort of reign of terror and organizational ability and also the fact that they still are very equipped and, you know, a, a well-armed and large army as well, um, just continues to tell us about what what state the galaxy is in. And, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward, and because we've had already, you know, hints of, of the rebels and the X-Wings coming in and saving the Mando. And, and now we have more kind of stormtroopers featuring. I, I'm, I'm, you know, hoping that this is, you know, 
just building for a larger battle um, that we'll get to see later on in the series as well between the sort of the now established New Republic and the sort of empire which has become the rebels, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, but there's so many different parts to it, isn't it? There's so many bits that we haven't quite got into yet, which are all part of the galaxy. I mean, I love the fact there's so many parts of the galaxy that we get to explore with the Mandalorian in terms of we don't always have to come back to what we know in terms of the Empire and stuff, but they're a brilliant enemy. They always have been, and they can continue to be in different ways. And I just love the fact, even in the... I don't know what you call them, but... God, admirals. Is that admirals or whatever? The uniform that the non-stormtroopers wear. Just that classic uniform from the original trilogy. So menacing as well, because they all seem slightly a bit twisted. The admiral-like level ones, there's always something a bit off-kilter with them, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're always, you know, completely straight-faced when they're ordering the death of millions or planets. So they are completely frightening really in their whole mindset and you know here yeah the, i mean they're just as stony faces always um which again like it, you're wondering where or what they're probably hiding and and you know and and i mean we later on see moff gideon kind of you know reporting in um to the main commander and you can see that they're trying to hide something and there's some sort of greater play, which again, you know, this is where I'm kind of quite interested to see how it plays out with the new Republic and, and what is exactly planned. And, and also whether the Mandalorians are, you know, are, are they an independent sort of group to this whole fight or, you know, because we're seeing that they're almost more on the side of the new Republic now um, rather than, you know, and typically they were always known, well, kind of known to be with the Empire, really, um, in terms of Boba Fett and, and, and Django. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, this episode really does take a kind of a, an interesting turn in terms of the whole relationship, really, um, that of, of where the galaxy lies, really, between the, the two main factions. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing with the Empire. They are enemies to so many, and Mandalorian, even though... You could, well, I guess, you could see them, or more so on the side of good. But there very much is a purpose for them, isn't it? It's all about rebuilding Mandalore and getting it back to what it was, because you had the Great Purge and everything that the Empire did to them. So as it obviously destroyed many kind of civilizations, communities, you know, different species and all that type of thing over the course of the time, it was at its Worst, should we say? But um, so many. There's a element of like comedy that I like in it as well. When uh, they lock them down, you know, in the cargo hold, yeah. and the guy's like, "It's so well." It's that classic Star Wars bit of comedy. <laughs> it's like we've got them closed down here. Where in the, in the cargo hold? Where? And it's just like they open the door and they all shoot. <laughs> it's just like so perfectly delivered. Yeah, I love that comic timing as well. It's, it is so like beautifully Star Wars, isn't it? That is something said, and then you kind of wait and you get that nice little resolve. But we finally get, obviously, we get Moff Gideon back. We get in hologram form, which is usually the best way for evil people to appear in the Star Wars films to a certain extent, is in hologram form. 
So we get a vision of him now in chapter 11, which is episode three. Mm. And I do hope maybe after this, we obviously there's five episodes still to go, but it'd be great to have more of him because he's such a brilliant character. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's, um, I don't actually know the actor's name. Um, let me have a look. But it, I, I just, he, Giancarlo Esposito. I mean, the ultimate modern bad guy, really. Uh, you know, in any series or, or film that he's featured in these days, he just seems to be the most menacing character. But he just does it so well all the time that anytime you kind of see him, it adds this, you know, new layer of just sinister, you know, just how sinister the, the, the empire is and how you still have these kind of very entrenched characters who are continuing to carry out what, you know, the empire was kind of, always aiming for really which is power over everyone really um so yeah whenever i mean to, just to see him back is 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 great and also the, uh, you know as i mentioned earlier you know the fact that he's coming back now and and the what we had seen of the dark saber in series one and then you know hasn't been mentioned at all up until now and and clearly it's such an important weapon for the man the, the mandalorians to get their hands on that Again, you, you've got this kind of new layer of wh why is it so intriguing? What, why is it so powerful? You know, wh why do they want it? I mean, surely it's just a, I, don't, a, 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 I suppose, a lightsaber that looks more like a sword is how I kind of first interpreted it. But now I'm, I'm questioning as to whether that's the case. And I mean, wh what do you reckon? I mean, do you know much about the dark saber? Kind of besides this, has it been mentioned in Clone Wars at all? It, so the dark saber it's like um so it is very much like a lightsaber it's like an ancient version mm -hmm. to a certain extent of a of a lightsaber so i think it was i think it's just like a, a an ancient weapon that has been passed down through the history of the mandalore to mm. many people over the course of the years and been in certain people's families and stuff like that um but i don't know i think it was something that just jedis had for a for a time not used it but i think they just had it in like one of their temples for a time mm. and then the map bo katan is well known for having the dark saber in the clone wars animated series and it's obviously i think it's just part of mandalorian culture a big thing that's part of mandalorian culture right. so it's kind of an insult i would say to have someone like moff gideon hold it and use it in the okay. same way i kind of feel that you know if there's someone with a lightsaber that doesn't hasn't built that because lightsabers are built by their jedi by the jedi for themselves you know yep. each yep. bespoke to each person so i feel it's very much you know that's that's the sentiment that the yep. dark saber holds yeah, that makes sense, I suppose, because, well, you know, this new set of Mandalorians that we encounter with, with Bo-Katan, uh, or Bo-Katan's gang, or however we call them, the fact that they're so focused on it, that I mean, it, it makes sense that it's like a symbolic thing for the Mandalorians that, you know, and as she talks about rebuilding Mandalore, uh, clearly that would be a very symbolic thing for them to have to to continue with that. So, yeah, it's it's... Intriguing, you know, having having not encountered it before, I mean, or having only encountered it briefly in season one, um, and now for it to be such a kind of 
central focus. Um, I, I'm kind of curious to see where, where that will go as well, um, you know, in, later on in this series. But I have to say, you know, w- one of the great things about this episode, you know, with all of this, you know, besides the kind of, as I mentioned, like the, how, how many great creatures there are, just the action in it on the ship and, and, you know, and, and well, on both ships, really on the flying ship and on the ship on, on the water, there's just some great action scenes. You know, we, we see the Mandalorians using all their funky gadgets and weapons just to, you know, and, and they're cunning in battle um, to take out just way more troops than, you know, than there are of them. And I, I always love those kind of fight scenes because it just, it's just such smart action and, and, but great action, you know, it, it, it's the, that sort of pinnacle of Star Wars, really, you know, um, in terms of, you know, the pacing and the energy to it, it, it really just continues, you know, it takes off where all the kind of classic Star Wars and running away or defeating stormtroopers and having lasers, you know, blasting down corridors and, and you know, finding little ways to get around them. I mean, that's just so classic Star Wars that this episode really lives it up. So, you know, the fact that, you know, we have, a director like Bryce Dallas Howard, you know, um, taking it on. I mean, you know, she really just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't disappoint at all, really. I mean, the pace of the whole episode, even though there are kind of slower kind of context building parts. And obviously we, uh, you know, the, the, the frog lady and her situation is resolved. Thankfully. Um, also, I have to say like when, when he was leaving Yoda with her, I was screaming at the TV, like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I, lo- I love his stern words with Baby Yoda as well. Like, you have to be responsible, and you know what that means. <laughs> but don't eat these people's you know Don't eat eggs. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, I think Baby Yoda's probably learned learned his lesson <laughs> after this episode. So it's uh, <laughs> certainly been a an involve involvement for him. So yeah, it's uh. Again, another great episode in this kind of second series. Really, like, just a great kind of balance of storyline and action, and and new characters and new settings and scenarios, and you know, and you know, for the next episode, we already kind of set up with this uh, forest moon, which uh, I was very happy to hear about. Um, what was it called? The uh, let's see, the Caladin, the forest moon of Corvus, which uh, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm loving how you know this series is just jumping from planet to planet, and we're just getting so much sort of input into into the Mandalorian and and the Star Wars universe how it is now, and it's just yeah, it, it, I mean, not not a disappointment at all, and just continue. I'm really looking forward to seeing where it's going uh, in the next episode and for the rest of the series, really. I mean, they're giving us stuff back, aren't they? Wow, they're giving us stuff back because. At the end of this, we get the name drop of Ahsoka Tano. Now, I know you haven't seen, obviously, the um, the Clone Wars TV series, but Ahsoka Tano is one of the best Star Wars characters ever created. And the, she's got the gift of being part of the animated series, which obviously went on for so long. You can do so much with a character over that time, really grow that character, and she grows into one of the best characters so to now know that we're 100% guaranteed we're going to see her in live action is just awesome. Because especially if you watch, I mean, I advise you whenever you can start watching the Clone Wars because the last series of the Clone Wars is so emotional, so brilliantly done. 
it's not even like you're watching an animation for half of it. It's just so yeah. the characters are so well embedded and the story, even though it's a story, you know, to a certain extent from other people's perspectives, it's just, it's like you relive it all over again from the oh. beginning. Well, so, I mean, so without giving too much away, I mean, what, what, so, can you tell us? Can you tell me more about the character, Sokotano? So, Sokotano was the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker, mm. um, and you see her go through a whole kind of roller coaster from being Padawan to being an accomplished Jedi herself, to her teaching the next set of younglings and Padawans, to her leaving the Jedi Order, to like her coming back and helping them. So. There's so much to her character. Uh, she's just very badass, pretty much. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the best way to set her up. She's a badass character. You have to bear with her at the beginning because I think you come in when she's very young and, and naive, kind of. The bit I would say you would put her in like her mid to late teens or something, and then she just grows into such an awesome character. So very much worth a watch when you have a spare. I don't know, 40 hours. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever that series takes. But the fact we are getting Ahsoka Tano, I know it doesn't guarantee we'll get her in the next episode, but at least we're getting towards where that could be a possibility is extremely um, exciting, something to look forward to for sure. Nice. Okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to... So, I mean, just to be clear, Anakin trained her when he was still a Jedi then. So yeah, when he was a Jedi, so if you, you put it in the kind of time frame mm. from when he was General Skywalker, so it's very much between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith is where the Clone Wars kind of tells its story. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know there's a jump in time between those two time frames in yeah, terms yeah. of the films, and it fills in because, you know, a few years pass, so there's a f it, it goes through those years. Yeah, where, makes sense, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's great because you get so much more of Anakin as Anakin. I know we get the, but we, you know, it seems you don't get as much as Hayden Christensen as Anakin as I kind of feel I would have liked because his character is very interesting as oh. Anakin way before he is Darth Vader. Yeah. So that's what the Clone Wars does. It gives you that insight, which is uh, very, very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to see, meeting her in this series then and uh, yeah, seeing what she brings. I mean, I've, I've been, you know, it, I've been looking forward to seeing when the when a Jedi comes in and, and, and that element is introduced into the Mandalorian and, and how they're going to do it. And yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. So yeah, looking forward to, uh, well, we'll see if the next episode will feature her. Well, we will do indeed. That is chapter... 12 and we will have to wait and see on that one one last note i do quite like how you get just a little insight into another culture there again with the frog couple and like how they raise their young for a little bit you know in that little yeah. dish and stuff i felt in the same way in, in the way you get to see the sand people and you get to see who they are you just i just love these tiny little insights that you get to see every now and again into a, another species yeah I found it utterly adorable when Yoda was playing with the baby frog. And again, somewhat, you know, on the edge of my seat to see whether he'd eat it in front of the parents. <laughs> but um, 
you know, it was nice to see that he did it and actually that he's learned his lesson and now can get on with smaller forms of life. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a scene where he like half swallows it and he like bangs him on the back of the head and he's like, no, yeah. it's like stop being a douche and eating stuff you shouldn't. <laughs> seriously, in front of the parents yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was continued to be adorable. Yeah. Uh, uh, my cute senses always go off with Baby Yoda. It's just, it just appeals to me so much. <laughs> so to see that carry on is, is starting to be the new fan service for me, really. <laughs> well, here we go. Let's get more of that, shall we? Uh, that is chapter 11 done. On to chapter 12. Hi guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you. Um, um.